Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast series. Today we're going to look at seven reasons why Australian shares are likely to outperform global shares over the medium term. And by medium term, I mean over the next five to 10 years, not necessarily over the next 12 months. If we go back to the March 2009 low in share markets that followed the global financial crisis, Australian shares are up about 138% compared to a 310% gain in global shares measured in local currency terms and a 500% gain in US shares as measured by the S&P 500. Now, of course, that is a comparison of share price indices. But the point is that over that period, since way back in March 2009, the Australian share market has dramatically underperformed global share markets and particularly the US share market. Now, last year, of course, we saw the Australian share market outperform, but it didn't go anywhere near reversing the underperformance we've seen since way back in 2009. And of course, that outperformance last year was helped by strong commodities and a less hawkish Reserve Bank of Australia compared to other central banks. I guess the big question is whether we're now starting to see an upswing in the longer term trend of Australian shares relative to global shares, or whether it's just a bit of a blip and Australian shares will resume their trend of underperformance. Now, I guess to get a handle on the future, it's useful to understand the past. The underperformance of Australian shares since 2009 reflects a mix of factors. High on the list is payback for its huge outperformance in the 2000s. If we go back through history, Australian shares go through periods of relative out and underperformance. Australian shares outperformed in the 1940s, for example. They underperformed in the 1950s, but they outperformed in the 1960s resource boom years. They then underperformed in the 1970s and 1980s. That's the period of high inflation when we had a bit of a malaise in Australia. But then the Aussie share market outperformed in the 1990s, although I should point out that that outperformance in the 90s was marginal and Australia actually underperformed in the second half of the 90s when the tech boom raged. After the tech boom ended, we then outperformed compared to global shares dramatically in the resource boom years of the 2000s. And then of course, ever since then, through the 2010s in particular, the Australian share market underperformed. Now after underperforming global shares in the tech boom in the second half of the 1990s, that story in the 2000s was particularly impressive. We had a massive boom in Australian shares going into 2007. This meant that the 2007 high for the Australian share market was a much higher high than you saw for global shares. And global shares, of course, just spun their wheels in the 2000s, barely getting above their 2000 tech boom high by the 2007 high. So the poor relative performance of Australian shares since 2009 is partly payback for the outperformance in the 2000s. We did very well back then, that left our share market somewhat vulnerable. Now, of course, since that boom in the 2000s and going into the last decade, we saw a slump in commodity prices. They peaked, many of them, in 2011, and as commodity prices slumped thereafter, that weighed on Australian resources shares. And of course, we have a relatively high exposure to resources shares compared to other global share markets. Another factor explaining the relative underperformance of the Australian share market over the last decade or more is that we've had relatively tighter monetary policy in Australia compared to most 
other major central banks in the post-GFC period, where the US, where, whereas the US, Europe, Japan had near zero interest rates and quantitative easing, Australia had much higher interest rates and no money printing until the pandemic year. In fact, the relative underperformance in Australian share market started in October 2009, which was, you guessed it, when the Reserve Bank started to raise interest rates post the GFC. And that move wasn't followed by other major central banks at the time. Another factor explaining the relative underperformance of the Australian share market is the surge in the Aussie dollar, which hit a very, very high level of 110 US cents in 2011. This reduced the competitiveness of Australian companies, and that can take time to reverse. Yet another factor was property crash phobia. You go back over the last 15 years, foreign investors have had a fear of a crash in Australia's expensive housing market. And this has meant that they've been cautious towards Australian shares generally, and particularly towards bank stocks. There's even more factors weighing on the Australian share market over the last decade or so. Recently, there's been worries about a deteriorating relationship with China. This started in 2018 with President Trump's trade war, but was accentuated through the pandemic. It arguably resulted in foreign investors demanding a risk premium to invest in Australia and in the Australian dollar. And finally, through the pandemic years, our share market was held back to some degree because we don't have a big exposure to stocks that seem to benefit them from the pandemic, such as tech stocks. Yes, we have some, but it's a relatively small part of our market. The high exposure to tech stocks, of course, helped the US share market period in 2020 and 2021. So there's been a bunch of factors, basically, that explained the relative underperformance of the Aussie share market since 2009, and in particular, the fact that we outperformed so much prior to that. So we've had a bit of a payback. I guess some people might say, well, maybe it's all because Australian companies pay such high dividends that they're not investing and therefore that is hampering profit growth and share returns. And maybe the shareholders themselves are to blame because they demand those high dividends. I think this is all very unlikely because if you look at the payout ratio, that's the ratio of dividends relative to earnings, it's around where it normally is. It's not out of line with its historic average. And in fact, you can make an argument that Australian companies paying good high dividends is a healthy sign from a long-term perspective. In fact, I've seen a few academic studies over the years arguing that high payouts are actually good for earnings and good for share returns because high dividend payouts mean less risk of poor investment performance from retained earnings, i.e. where the CEO retains the earnings and spends it on monuments to himself or herself. High dividend payouts are also indicative of corporate competence about future earnings and they indicate earnings are real and not an accounting fiction. So I'm quite pleased that Australian companies pay decent dividends. In fact, you can make an argument that because Australian shares pay relatively high dividends, typically around 4.4% at present, compared to global shares paying a dividend yield of about 2.5%. You have to allow this for this in comparing the relative returns from global and Australian shares. In fact, when you do that, you find that the Australian share market performance over very long periods of time is actually very, very strong compared to global markets. For example, if we go back to 1970, and include dividends in the calculation, which I think you need to do, then you find that Australian shares over that 50 plus year period have outperformed global shares. In fact, the total return with dividends has been 10.1% per annum compared to 8.2% per annum from global shares. So typically we've outperformed on average by about 2% per annum um, over that long period. Now the falling Aussie dollar over that same period has enhanced the return from global shares when measured in Australian dollar terms, um, pushing them up to 9.8% 
per annum, but they've still underperformed. Secondly, though, allowing for dividends, unfortunately, doesn't eliminate the underperformance we've seen since 2009. In particular, you can still see the big outperformance in the 2000s and the big underperformance since 2009, even when you include dividends. For example, since October 2009, when Australian shares peaked relative to global shares, Australian shares have returned 7.7% compared to 9.7% per annum from global shares in local currency terms. So Aussie shares have still underperformed since 2009, even if we do include dividends, albeit the relative under performance is not as bad if you just look at price comparisons alone. So the bottom line is we do need to allow for dividends. Over long periods of time, the Aussie share market tends to outperform global shares, but we still have that cyclical underperformance or that, sec no, I wouldn't say cyclical, but secular underperformance over the period since 2009. For those reasons I mentioned earlier. Now I reckon the seven good reasons why the Aussie underperformance since 2009 is luckily over and over the next Five to 10 years over the medium term, we'll see the Australian share market start outperforming again. Now, of course, as I mentioned earlier, we did see some outperformance last year. That could be noise, but I think there are several fundamental reasons why the Aussie share market underperformance is now likely over. The first one has been reversion. After 12 years of underperformance and the reversal of the 2000s outperformance, Australian shares are due for a lengthy period of outperformance performance. And this is also consistent with the valuations. The forward price to earnings multiple for Australian shares at present is 14.5 times, whereas global shares are more expensive on 15.3 times, and the US share market is more expensive again on 17.1 times. So valuations and mean reversion are supportive of the Aussie share market starting to outperform again. Secondly, I think we're going to see a new super cycle in commodities, and this is probably already underway. The commodity price slump from their 2008 to 2011 highs, depending on which commodity you look at, um, looks to be over, with commodities embarking on a new super cycle, bull market driven by constrained supply after low levels of investment in new capacity, low inventories for most commodities, decarbonisation driving increased demand for metals and increased defence spending on the back of increased geopolitical tensions, e.g. Ukraine, which is metal intensive. This will benefit Australia's resources stocks. Thirdly, the Aussie dollar is no longer expensive. That surge to $1.10 or whatever it was in 2011 left the Aussie share market relatively expensive and Australian companies uncompetitive. Of course, that is now reversed. The Aussie dollar, in fact, hit a low last year of 62 cents. And in fact, in 2020, it hit a low of 57 cents. Um, it has seen a rebound since then back to around 70 cents, but the strange Australian dollar is no longer overvalued, and hence Australian companies are now a lot more competitive. Fourthly, the Aussie economy has a much stronger growth potential than, say, the US, European, UK, or Japanese economies, mainly because of very strong population growth. But this means underlying demand, and therefore sales for companies, and therefore potentially earnings growth in Australia is far more attractive than it is in other major um, investment markets. Fifthly, we have relatively high dividends. Australian shares pay a dividend yield, as I mentioned before, of around 4.4% compared to 2.5% globally. You have to allow for that. It also makes the, it makes the Australian share market look relatively more attractive. Doesn't always help, but it is an ongoing factor which is helping our market. And you also need to allow, as Australian-based investors, that franking credits add around 1.3% per annum to the post-tax return for Australian shares. Sixthly, we're seeing less aggressive monetary tightening from the Reserve Bank. Now, of course, this could change and the Reserve Bank might get more aggressive. And of course, the high inflation numbers we saw for the December quarter um, obviously put pressure on the Reserve Bank and it's now likely to see the Reserve Bank hike rates by another 0.25% in February. But 
Against that, we think we've probably seen the peak in inflation. Supply is improving, freight costs have fallen, and demand is slowing as evidenced by a sharp slump in retail sales in December. And it's unlikely to see that, that surge in inflation, therefore, is unlikely to see the Reserve Bank adopt a more aggressive policy compared to other major central banks. In fact, we still think we are pretty close to the top on rates, even though we have revised our view to include one final hike in February. Finally, we are seeing a thawing in the relationship with China. The risk of a sharp deterioration in the trade relationship with China appears to be receding at least for a while. This could, could wax and wane, um, but those risks in the short term seem to be receding, helped by a change of government in Australia. So for those seven reasons, we think there's good reason to expect that over the next five to 10 years, the Aussie share market will start to outperform on a sustained basis again. Now, of course, finally, you can make an argument that there's still risks around the property market, but so far the property market has seen prices fall and there's probably more downside to go, but with no sign of the crash that many fear. And in the absence of much higher interest rates, a property crash in Australia dragging down the economy and banks looks unlikely. So to sum all that up, the period of underperformance in Australian shares compared to global shares since 2009 is likely to be over. I reckon that over the next five to 10 years, we will see a period of trend outperformance, albeit there will be bumps along the way. So I hope that that has been of some interest and some use. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favorite streaming platform. That way you'll never miss an episode.